Episode 11, Unpacking My Boxes, Empty Places and Empty Spaces. John chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. John chapter 10, verse 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So in this episode, we are still unpacking our boxes. Amen. Um, The title of this podcast is Broken Places and Broken Spaces, Being Healed Through God's Word. And so in order to us be able to surrender those things to God, to allow him to heal, as he said in his word, as he shows throughout his word, we have to do the work. We have to unpack our boxes. We have to deal with those very difficult places in us, those difficult spaces within us, those things that we've tucked deep down that we don't want to deal with, we don't want to talk about, we don't want to show to anyone. If we want Jesus to fix it, if we want Jesus to heal it, if we want to have life and have it more abundantly, we have to unpack our boxes. Um, We've been in this uh, sort of series here now for the past few weeks, and I believe that we may even be a month into this season. And um, back when I first started the podcast, um, the God was just giving me um, the ideas for the podcast, even though at the time I may not have knew the direction, amen, that the Lord was moving. And so as thoughts would come, as he would lay things on my heart, I mean, I've got stuff everywhere. I've got uh, notes jotted down on sticky notes, uh, on that are, you know, scattered across my desk. I have stuff written in notebooks. Um, I mean, just something would come to me and I would grab whatever I could to write it down. And back Even back as far as doing the first, I would say probably three or four episodes, um, I had heard the word void and uh, I try to surrender and submit to God in every way in this podcast because at the end of the day, he is the one who is the healer. I'm just the vessel. And so even though I had this word void, I had nothing else to go with it but it it was on a sticky note. And so when I did the episode last week um, with Erica Lynn Speaks, talking about daddy issues, um, as I was even preparing for that episode with her, I heard that word voids again. And I said, I said, okay, when we, um, find ourselves in relationships, um, and I'm just going to use this one as an example, because it's not the only void we suffer from. It's not the only way we try to fill our voids, but I'm, I'm going to use this, this as an example. When we find ourselves dating men, marrying men that we shouldn't, when we find ourselves staying in relationships well beyond their expiration date, when we find ourselves in relationships where we, um, adapt, adjust to dysfunction, to, um, things being toxic, um, it's because there's a void there and, and it could be a daddy issue. Amen. It could be, um, many different things. It it could be because we lost our father meaning in death. And so that, that word surfaced again, voids. And so it was like, okay, I know that the, the, the next episode is going to talk about voids. Didn't touch it. And then, um, you know, being a teacher, I started school this week doing this virtual learning thing. I'm working from home. Um, so of course I'm at my desk. That's, you know, that's my classroom. And so of course I told you, I've got these sticky notes kind of scattered everywhere. And lo and behold, as I'm trying to kind of organize things, you know, put on, put my Bible and all my ministry stuff on one side and I've got my classroom stuff on the other side, there was that sticky note. And there were three ideas obviously that God had given me way back when and the second one was the word void and so it was a confirmation for me all right Lord this is where I'm going and so um as I have prepared for this episode um it is truly steeped in the word amen and not that anything I feel like I've done up to this point hasn't been but to really drive home this point of our voids um God took me to a scripture in the New Testament as well as a scripture in the Old Testament. And so 
I, I like to start these episodes with some type of illustration, um, some type of way to make plain the point that is being made to bring the scripture to life. Amen. To be able to help it be cemented in your spirit and in your heart and even in your mind. Amen. By attaching the word to a, a, a modern day application or a modern day example, I'm always seeking that way. And so when God gave me voids and then of course the title of this episode is empty places and empty spaces um the the illustration that he gave me came from the word and it came from the other script the the old testament scripture that he gave me which is genesis chapter 1 verse 2 so here we are in the beginning genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So again, illustration and illustration is to help to paint a picture. So let me paint a picture for you. Before God, a man spoke into the darkness. Before God spoke uh, creation into being. Before God spoke form into the world, a man, the earth was dark. The earth had no form, meaning that it had no shape. It had no marked mountains carved out, no oceans carved out, no water to fill the ocean. It was without form and it was void, meaning that it was empty. There was no life here. There was no livelihood here. Amen. So before the Lord... It said that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So before his presence began to hover over the face of the water, before he came in, amen, to speak life into the earth, it was void. It was empty. My study Bible, um, the note on that scripture, one of the things that it was like, okay, Lord, I, I see you. I hear you. It said the earth was without void for, for days, um, one through the Bible, the study Bible said one through three, but I'm going to say verses one through four, verse one through four, God is giving it form. Um, and maybe I can see why they included four in, um, the void section, because in verse four is where he, um, he brings light into the picture and he separates the light from the darkness. Amen. And he, he, he distinguishes each one from the other and he distinguishes their purpose. That's a whole sermon in itself right there. (laughs) He distinguishes the purpose of of the light versus the purpose of the darkness, what the light is responsible for versus what the darkness is responsible for. So maybe I could see why they uh, included verse four in, in, in how he filled the void. Amen. But what God wants you to see through this illustration of him creating the earth was that the earth was without life. It had no life form. All of the forms of life that we know, um, the, the, uh, sea and you know water creatures let's just say it that way the creatures that walk the earth the creatures that live in the sky even down to the plant forms and even down to we can even say amoeba the smallest forms of life amen did not exist let alone his greatest creation hallelujah man did not exist so the the world the earth was without life it was void it was empty. It had nothing until the spirit of God that was hovering over the face of the deep began to speak in verses four in verse four. As I said, he distinguished the light from the darkness, but then in verse five, amen, he begins to speak life into the earth. In verse five, he fills the waters with the the um the life forms of the water so you can just imagine your fish and your lobsters and your crab and your shrimp that we like to eat but <laughs> god spoke those into the ocean even the smallest of the uh living things the, even the piranha even the sharks and the whales all of those things amen that feel the waters that live in the water he spoke life and then he filled the land, amen, including the air. Um, the, the Bible says creeping things. So the four-legged beast, the hooved beast, all of the um, animals that God created, that he spoke into existence, that, that he gave life to and filled the void of the earth with, the birds of the air, amen, the, the word says. And then, amen, he created man. He created man, hallelujah, in his image, 
He created man and he, just like he distinguished between the light and the dark, just like he distinguished between the purpose of the light and the purpose of the dark, he distinguished them male and female, even though he had yet to create woman, he still in um, his omniscience and no and um having all knowledge and all um being sovereign and provident and having the um the uh, blueprint amen and like the word says he declared the end from the beginning so he already knew that even though he hadn't created woman yet he knew she was coming so when he created man at that point Hallelujah. That's a sermon in itself. When he created man, he distinguished male and female. He distinguished a man that this is man. Hallelujah. So he created man and then he uh, established male and female. He gave dominion to man over all of the life forms that he had created. And then he told man, now again, man, hallelujah, does not even have woman yet. But he tells him, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Then we go on and it says, I think in that same, uh, um, if not the same verse, the next few verses, he even talks about how he has um, uh, it created the plants and how he, the herbs and the seedling, that is yet another life form. And then we know as we move into scripture, he said that it was not good for man to be alone, that he needed to create woman. He created Eve. Right out of the rib of man, he created a woman. The woman, the one who is the carrier of life. So he, God being God, he spoke life into the earth. He filled the void. He filled the emptiness, amen, with life. And then he created his finest creation, Amen. And gave him dominion over all of the life forms and told him, I want you to be fruitful and continue to be the giver of life. Amen. The creator of life. I have enabled you as man and distinguished him from female. I have enabled you. I have empowered you. I have given you what you need to be fruitful and multiply. And then he brings in woman who is the one who can receive to be the carrier of life, to be the one who um, brings life into this world. Amen. Stay with me. Follow me. We have places and spaces within us that are broken. Areas of our life that represent some type of damage, some type of trauma that has taken place. We attempt to close off to protect these spaces and places. We shut out any and everyone if necessary, sometimes even God. We believe that somehow we have the power to control these areas. That if we just tuck them away, we don't have to deal with them. We we can protect ourselves. We can if we don't let people get too close, then they can't hurt us. If we don't um, allow people in, if we don't give people our trust, if we don't give people our love, that we have some type of control over any further damage being done. But then there are the other areas. Amen. There are other places and spaces within us that aren't necessarily broken but they're empty. There is a lack there. There is an empty place there. It is a void. The very definition of void is empty. You can also attach to the definition needy, lacking in want of something or someone. Not only do we have voids, not only do we have these empty places, but we are, we're void adjective descriptive we are void in some areas of our life meaning that we are we have emptiness voids exist because we have either suffered some type of loss so like in the episode before last i talked about taking the l so when we deal with loss that is not um physical death where a person dies and leaves this earth but other losses in our life that comes that comes in many forms it could be the form of loss of relationship whether it's uh, marital relationships friendships significant others even family members even church family um we we suffer losses on many fronts amen that is not necessarily a physical death of a person leaving this this earth or because God's timing to fill the place in the space has not manifested yet. So sometimes we are um, lacking something or we there is something that we want that we don't have because 
it's not God's time yet. And there's nothing wrong with the empty places that God has yet to fill. The problem is the enemy attacks our flesh. Amen. He attacks our flesh. He appeals to the carnality in us. He comes to appeal to and uh, present us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So in some way, he, like the scripture says, he devises his schemes and his tactics That's what we have to have on the whole armor of God. That's why we have to be able to stand against the wiles, which are his schemes and his tactics of the enemy. So he comes with his schemes and his tactics and his games, amen, to attack our flesh. And what he does is he tries to magnify that void. He tries to magnify magnify that place of emptiness, that place of lack, that place where we feel like we don't have or we want, amen. And this causes us to become impatient. (laughs) Amen. We know that throughout scripture, God admonishes us. He encourages us to wait on him. Um, Psalms, I think it's 27 and 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. It was like it had to be repeated to drive it home. Then in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 40 verse 31. I believe it is. It says that they that wait on the Lord, I don't know. I feel like a preacher tonight. (laughs) They that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. When you wait on him, it says you will mount up on wings as eagles. So this is a, now let's take it back to school. We're talking about a simile here where you're making a comparison to something. When you wait on God, you all of a sudden feel like you have wings like the eagles. It says that you will be able to run and not be weary. So you will be running and not get tired. You will walk and you will not faint. You will be able to go the distance. Amen. You'll be able to endure. He will empower you. He will give you the strength when you wait on him to be able to press on and go a little further. What happens as a result of our impatience? What happens as a result of our inability or even our unwillingness to wait on God. So when we talk about the voice that we have in our life, these empty places and spaces, because God, it's not his time yet. Um, I've quoted in the past few episodes, Ecclesiastes chapter three, um, everything has a time and a season. Everything has a place, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time for you know life to be born. And I know that I'm not quoting it word for word, but you um, may be familiar with the scripture. So we have sometimes a, a lack of, or, or we're lacking something that we want because it just isn't God's time for us to have it yet. But what are some examples? Because I am, this podcast is geared towards women, not that a man can't listen and he can't glean from it because it's easily transferable, amen. We we know that there are women, we, are, we want a husband. We want a man. We want to be married. We want, um, we want our... Um, Now, I'm going to say Boaz because that's kind of what's been said, even though if you read the scripture, maybe you don't want Boaz. Maybe you want the other guy who was willing to wait, who was willing to work, who was willing to do whatever he had to do to get his woman. But that that's another episode for another day. So women want to be married. We want our husband. I am um, a member. I am in um, groups. Uh, on Facebook where um, there's women that are constantly encouraging each other um, not to enter into crazy relationships or, you know, try to go out and do it on your own, try to fill that empty place on your own to wait on God's timing to send you the man he has ordained and created for you. And it can be hard. (laughs) Amen. There are women who are waiting, who want babies, who fill a void because they want, they're a woman and it's natural. Even women who are married and have their husband, but yet have been unable to conceive, have been unable to, maybe they've conceived and they, they can't stay pregnant. And so there's a longing. The enemy is so crafty that he even twists and perverts very natural, um, feelings and emotions and, and desires that we have that is nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with a woman desiring a husband. There is nothing wrong with a woman desiring to bear a child. Amen. Especially women who, um, have suffered some type of loss. Amen. Who maybe they have, you know, taken a loss 
with a child, whether it be miscarriage or God forbid women who, who have actually bore children and those children passed away. There's this longing and this desire to be able to do what God told Adam. I, like I read, he told him be fruitful and multiply. He gave him the female. He gave him the woman to do that with. So that's, that's natural, but in God's timing, I'm not preaching or teaching against um in vitro and things of that nature but there are some of us amen that god is just telling you to wait it's just not your time he's not ready for it yet um and then another area is ministry some of us who on fire for the lord passionate um, you know, we have the right amount of zeal. God maybe has begun to reveal and show us. And so we are ready to go out there and, you know, spread the gospel and win souls to Christ and do what it is God has called us to do, but it's in his time. And so, because that's purpose, amen. Some of us, sometimes we feel, um, an emptiness. We feel like, um, even if we have our everyday job and our job in the natural, that it's just not enough. We don't feel fulfilled. Amen. That's the word. Everybody's looking for purpose and they want to be fulfilled. Taking us back to John 10 and 10, that Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. But then there are those voids that exist because we have suffered loss in some way. These losses are similar to the ills we take in life. In some of these cases, a good number of them, the enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he uses people, he uses situations to cause us to suffer various losses, to have things taken away from us. He moves and grooves and maneuvers in a way that even causes us to not receive the things that we are supposed to have. God has created, like it said, he created man in his own image and his own likeness. So he has designed us a very, uh, probably the, well, I'm not going to say probably the greatest creation ever. The greatest invention ever is man is human. And God has made us where we have uh, particular basic human needs. We we have a need for love. We have a need to be nurtured. We have a need to have affection and attention, etc. The enemy gets in there and he gets busy. And so sometimes we, and I mean, this is even in childhood. We haven't received the things that as a human, we've been designed to, to, to want to have been designed to desire. Maybe as a child, you were in a situation where you did not have your mom or your mom was not a nurturing mom, even if she was in the home or your dad was not an attentive dad. And so you have a void. The first place that you learn, the first place that you receive some of those very basic human desires is in your home. And when that doesn't happen, amen, you start off with a void. You start off with empty places. You start off with empty spaces. And as you maneuver through life, as you grow and get older, those voids don't disappear. Amen. You're forever searching and seeking how to fill that void so that the hurt or the pain or whatever's attached to it, you don't feel it anymore. Mm -hmm. Just like the broken places and spaces that we have, we have empty spaces and places. Places in us that Again, there is something missing. There is something that we want. There is something that we desire. There is something that we need. Amen. And so, because the enemy in either situation, whether it is the void because God has, it's not his time yet, or the void because we've suffered a loss, we haven't received what we were supposed to, he's in there magnifying it, making it feel unbearable magnifying the hurt, magnifying the pain, making you feel like you just like you are not going to be able to make it unless you can feel this empty place, unless you can numb yourself to not feel if so he, he makes you, uh, he magnifies it, making you want to feel the void F I L L or he, he makes you feel like you have to numb so that you don't feel the void F E E L. At the same time that he's doing that and you get in a place where now you're trying to, you're trying to do it. 
again, what happens as a result? What happens as a result when we try to do something that we do not have the power to do? We do not have the ability to do. And that takes us to our other scripture, which is John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, where Jesus said, and this scripture is when Jesus is at the well and he meets, so she's got two names in the Bible. She's the woman at the well, and then she's also called the Samaritan woman. And the interesting um, history of that relationship is as a Jew, Jews didn't deal with Samaritans. Not only did Jews not deal with Samaritans, but men didn't really entertain women in that way if it was not their family member or they, their wife. And so even, um, so in the, in the, if, when you read the scripture, this passage of scripture, you know, Jesus, it says that, you know, him and the disciples, they're out there, you know, he's, he's doing what he's been doing and he's tired. It says that he's weary. He gets to this well, even though it was a divine appointment, it says he gets to this well and he's tired and he's thirsty because again, we don't have an intercessor or an advocate who hasn't been touched with our infirmities, which means who hasn't been touched with our weaknesses. Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it feels like to be hungry and thirsty. He he knows that's what makes him uh the that's what made him the suitable sacrifice and now he can be our advocate because he advocates from a place of understanding. He has not empathy where well I don't know how you feel but because you're human I feel bad for you. No, he has sympathy. He, he and in our situations he has felt these very human real human feelings and real human hurts and real human wants. And so he can go to the father on our behalf and he can intercede on our behalf because he's been there. All right. So anyway, I digress. So he's at this well, he asked her to give um, him a drink. And she even says, you shouldn't have nothing to do with me. I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. And he basically lets her know, well, if you knew who I was, you want me talking to you. Meaning if you knew that I was the savior of the world, if you knew that I am the one that, that at this appointment at the will, I am going to change your life. And so, um, the scripture, the passage of scripture goes on where he, um, where basically she says, okay, well, I'll give you some water. And she says, but you don't have anything to draw with. Meaning, you know, I'm here with my bucket to get my water to take back home, but what do you have where I can put you some, you know, you don't have a cup. You don't have a bowl. Jesus didn't have a bucket. He didn't have a, a one of them little pouches that they carried. It looked like a purse, but it, you know, you put your little water in there. He's asking for water and has nothing to receive it in. That's a, that's a script, another uh, sermon for another day. So he's asking, but he doesn't have anything to receive it in. But the point is he doesn't want water. He want, he uses that as a talking point. He uses that as kind of like his introduction to be able to say to her, um, and our, the scripture that I reference, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. You drink this natural water. You have to keep coming back for more. And just the way that God created our bodies, we, we need it. We, we would die without it. But he tells her the water that I have in, in the person who drinks of this water, it will become a fountain that will spring up into everlasting life. And so now here we see. So what Jesus is telling her is humans naturally have voids. It is natural that we have voids because the only person who truly can satisfy our every need, our every longing, our every empty place is Jesus. He is the only person who is able to step into our life able to make those places that the enemy wants us to feel that hurt, that pain, magnify that emptiness. He comes in to fill in every lonely space. Amen. The script, he says in the, in the word that he will never leave us or forsake us. So even like it says in us, I think it's Psalms 27, even when your mother and your father forsake you, it says the Lord will take you up. When your friends turn your back on you, God is there. Even when the, the man or the woman that God has given as your spouse, even your, the, the man that God has given as your husband, even when he turns his back, Jesus can fill that void. And I, now let's keep it real. We're human. We have human desires that are natural. God created us that way. So there are some voids, amen. There are some things that we desire that Jesus physically can't do. But what he's able to do, amen, is he's able to come into our life 
and he's able to give us a certain level of satisfaction. He's able to keep us a man so that when we have desires, and I think everybody knows what I'm referring to, <laughs> when we have desires and we don't have a husband because we shouldn't be having sex and we're not married. <laughs> um, so if you're desiring to do it in a godly way, I'm not condemning or judging anyone who's having sex outside of marriage. But what I challenge you with is that's that void that you feel when you um when we seek sex to be so in the you know before i said how we we want to kind of feel these voids we want to numb so we don't have to think about what we're really missing we don't have to really focus on the things that are hurting us and that are causing us grief for some of you i challenge you some of you are like you know i'm having sex because i like to have sex and that's not that's not my place to judge and it's not i'm not here to deal with that but for some of you that you are trying to feel these empty places in you by having sex and you still feel empty when it's all said and done, I challenge you to to turn to Jesus, to cry out to him. And I know that there are probably going to be people that say, well, I've been crying out to Jesus and it's not helping. Amen. But if you continue to cry out, just because you, we feel sometimes that we're crying out and it doesn't seem like he hears us because, you know, it's not changing or, you know, it doesn't seem like he's doing it. Oh, he hears you. But he's, he is a discerner of your motivation and your intention. He is a discerner of our hearts. He looks beyond our words to see what do you really feel? What do you really mean? What do you really want from me? Amen. And so, um, he comes and not just with, you know, giving us salvation, but in, once we receive salvation, so this um, fountain of water that springs up into everlasting life, that's just the beginning. Amen. That is just the beginning. Once we can accept Christ as our savior, once we allow him to come in, once he and the this, this water that he's talking about, once he gives us his spirit and now it springs up into everlasting life, now we, we have this um, overflowing of joy and this overflowing of peace. It doesn't mean that we aren't still human. It doesn't mean that we don't still hurt. It doesn't mean that there aren't areas in us that still feel empty and that we, we are, but we learn to surrender to God. We learn to give it to God. We learn to find ways when we are hurting, when we are down, when we are, you know, missing someone or feeling, you know, some type of way because of these um, these things that either it's because he hasn't manifested it yet or because we've suffered some type of loss. We haven't gotten what we received. He gets us in a place and a space. Amen. He gets into those places and those spaces and he communes with us and he fellowships with us and he deals with us. And before you know it, you didn't, you didn't kind of forgot like, Oh, I was feeling real horrible or I was feeling real. The other H word and who Lord, you done came in and you done did it. Let's keep it real because we are all, we are all human. Amen. And so let me prove it to you. Let me prove to you with this very scripture. Now, again, that's not the only type of void we have where we're longing the companionship of a man, whether it's husband, sex, whatever. We have voids that exist because we want a baby, because we want a job, because we want to pursue ministry. We have voids that exist because our mama was raggedy and our daddy was raggedy. And more than likely they was raggedy because they mama and daddy was raggedy. We have voids that exist because we were abused, because we were molested, because we were raped. When you are molested and raped, that means that something was taken from you that shouldn't have. Remember, the enemy comes to steal. And so... I don't want to make this just about the void of a man and sex, but I'm using the scripture, right? I'm using the scripture. And so in the scripture, in this uh, scripture, Jesus is dealing with this woman where he's having this conversation with her. And as, as he's, you know, doing his thing, his, you know, where he's talking spiritual, but then he's able to kind of, you know, relate it to the natural. And so she's kind of, she's trying to follow him, right? She's like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You talking about all this water and all this, you know, you don't even have nothing in order to get your water with. You don't have nothing for me to draw. He, he like kind of takes another road and kind of, he doesn't change the subject, but he says, go call your husband and, and come here. So what he's basically, essentially what he's saying is, let me show you why you need the water that I have. And she says, well, sir, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right, you don't have a husband. <laughs> He's like, you are absolutely right, and I'm glad you told the truth. You don't have a husband. He said, because you done had five husbands, and the one that you have right now, he ain't your husband. Now, 
my study Bible says that the five husbands that he references means that she, um, you know, was married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced. Now, I don't agree with that interpretation because divorce, a woman could not put her husband, only the man could divorce his wife is what I'm trying to say. Women couldn't be the one to initiate a divorce. Like in our modern times where, you know, if you have the grounds or, or even if you don't like his socks, whatever your reason is, you just decide to divorce your husband. Back in the Bible days, that was not the case. So what, what and there's even some history on... um if you study the the name of the whale, there there's even some history of that that kind of alludes to this conversation that he's having with her about all of these quote unquote husbands that she's had. What because what the word tells us is that when you lay with a man, it is that um and Lord help me because I can't think of the word. But when oh consummation, so when you lay with a man, um uh, in the Old Testament time sex is what's is what consummated your marriage so you can stand up in front of the judge all day long and you know say all of that stuff put the rings on sign that paper and all that but once you lay down and you consummate now you have truly biblically sealed a marriage so that's why he's telling her well you have five husbands and the one that you're living with he's not your husband either because guess what you are trying to fill some type of void ma'am you are thirsting for something so this whole, you know, how modern day, how we use this term thirst, thirsty and thirst trap and how we throw that out there. Nothing about that is cute. Jesus is telling her, you're thirsting for something. You are feeling an emptiness. You feel a void. You have a lack. And I'm here to tell you, I'm, I made this divine appointment with you so that I could give you what you need to fill this void so that you can stop laying with every man you meet. So even though that might not be your void, Jesus stands to say the same thing. I am offering you a water. I am offering you something that you, you don't have to thirst anymore. You don't have to long anymore. And it doesn't mean that the, those human feelings go away. But what that means is that in our longing, in our hurt, in our desire, in our wanting that empty space to just be filled, I would just want to feel, have that fulfillment. I want to have that, that life more abundantly, which is what we see God do in the creation where he fills the void of the earth with all kinds of life forms and then creates the greatest life form ever created. And so Jesus stands saying to all of us in our empty places and our empty spaces, regardless of why they are empty, he says, I can feel that. I can walk side by side with you. And in other cases, I can carry you so that those places can be filled where you don't have to pretend. Amen. Where you don't have to keep hooking up with the wrong guy. Where you don't have to stay in marriages that have run their course. Where you don't have to drink to numb the pain of losing a child. Where you don't have to, um, any other of the, where you don't have to eat to numb the pain of not being able to conceive a child. Because gluttony is a sin. He says, I stand with a water that if you drink it, amen, you will never thirst again. That in you, it will spring up as a fountain of everlasting life. So Jesus comes and gives us something that creates, he fills the voids just like God did in the creation and fills us with life, life everlasting, joy unspeakable, hallelujah, the peace that passeth all understanding, amen. This is what he presents to this woman at the well. And so when he says that to her, Guess what? When when God comes in and runs you from A to Z, when he comes in and tells you stuff that don't nobody have no other way of knowing but him, whether he uses a person to run you down from A to Z that don't know you from a can of paint, she says, oh, you have to be a prophet. Because remember, she doesn't, he tries to tell her like you, if you only knew who you was talking to. 
but she doesn't know who he is. She's probably heard of Jesus, but she at that moment does not realize that he is or has not her um the blinders have not been removed for her, from her eyes for her to know that he is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. He's the Messiah, the one that that the prophets of old have foretold that is coming. She doesn't know that. And then he tells her, not only are you at home living with a man who is not your husband, because she doesn't say, oh, the man at home, he's not my husband. No, she said, I don't have a husband. She didn't disclose that there is a man living at her home. He told her, you're right. You're right. You don't have a husband. The one you're living with isn't your husband. And the five before him were not your husbands. Amen. They were just temporary fixes. They were temporary solutions to to inner turmoil to deep pain to voids and of course i don't know the woman at the wheel story i don't know why she continued to you know kind of meet these men and obviously end up in these um and obviously sexual relationships because again you have to understand the history of scripture to know why he said what he said and how he said it consummation sex is what constituted a marriage and so if you're laying with a man in the scripture, if you're laying with a man and you have not gone through the ceremonial process of marriage, amen. So that's why I said we, we, in our modern day, we stand up in the courthouse or at the, at the church, have somebody marry us, put them rings on, sign that paperwork and all that. But it's not until you have sex until you consummate biblically that now in the eyes of God, this is your spouse. So let's be careful with who we laying with. Now, I know y'all like to talk about soul ties a lot. Um, I don't necessarily use that that wording, but let's be careful who we consummating with forming these deep emotional connections. And then when it all, you know, kind of crashes and burns, we can't figure out why we can't get Johnny out of our system. Well, that's because you done consummated with Johnny like he was your husband. And now you done formed this deep emotional connection that only God himself can deliver you of. But that's another episode for another day. Getting back to the woman at the well. So then Jesus goes into talking about, and I didn't even want to go this far into the scripture, but you kind of have to, to, to kind of follow the woman because his conversation with her does not end at her saying, well, you have to be a prophet. He goes, she mentions something about worship. So it's like, okay, he's kind of, you know, um, responding based on what she's saying. And he tells her that the hour is coming where you're not going to worship me. He's, he's, so now he's trying to, reveal to her who he is not not that he's not that he's just a prophet because you have to remember there's folks that say jesus is just, was just a great prophet even people in that day now he's trying to so now that he has um offered her salvation but now he needs to under he needs her to understand why he is able to offer this uh fountain of water that springs up into everlasting life so he tells her there's a time coming where you're not going to worship um on the mountain or in jerusalem he says, um, you worship what you do not know because salvation is of the Jews. So the Samaritan is not a Jew. The Samaritan is a Gentile, but we all know that with the death and the resurrection of Christ and the establishment of the church, salvation is coming to the Gentile. So he, he, now he, I mean, he's dealing with her in the total prophetic. Amen. She literally meets Jesus in the prophetic. He, pro he, you know, prophesies to her about what she has going on in her personal life and then he's telling her what's to come and so when he says you know he's letting her know i can offer you i as as messiah can offer you salvation now because it's coming where it will be offered to the jews she says the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers so granted the Jews were of the law and they believed, you know, they followed the law to the letter and all of those, you know, hundreds of laws and, all, you know, all of those things. But he is saying that the true worshipers, hallelujah, the people who are worshiping truly because they love God, they, 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 um, recognize that he is Lord. He is Lord of their life. Those that are truly worshiping, not following a set of rules, not following a set of traditions, the true worshipers. A time is coming where those who truly worship are going to do it in spirit and in truth. That the God, that the Father is looking for those people. So let's get back to the woman at the well. So then she says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. 
she said that when he when he comes he's going to tell us all these things that Jesus is telling her and then that's when he he reveals to her I am he and then she goes into the city she goes and she testifies and she goes into the city and she says, you come and see a man that he done told me everything I'd have never did. Could he be the Christ? Could he be the Messiah? And so in our situations, in our broken places, in our broken spaces, in our empty places, in our empty spaces, our hurt, our anger, our frustration, um, dealing with all of these things that we've gone through and experienced in life, being in a place of where we have to wait on God for the things that we desire. The, the Messiah is here. Not only is he here with the promise of everlasting life and salvation, but all of the benefits that are attached to it, all of his promises are yea and amen. Amen. Not only is he able to uh, fill your empty spaces, empty places, and fill those voids in your life, he stands to give you salvation so that you can continue to walk in having that life and having it more abundantly. It's not a one-time fix. It's not a one-time thing. When you accept his gift of salvation, now he can deal with everything else. He can deal with the shame. He can deal with the guilt. He can deal with the hurt, the molestation, the rape, being neglected, being rejected, not being included. He can deal with the lack the desire for a husband. He can deal with you and 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 get you in a place where you're ready for a husband. We we asking God for a husband, but are you ready to be a wife? We're concerned about what the man got going on and can he provide and can he do this and can he do that? But are are you ready? And God is who makes us ready. Christ comes in and he takes care of all of that. As we form an intimate relationship with him, as we get to know him, as we come to trust him, as we spend time with him and know how he moves and how he grooves and how he operates, amen. That's when he's able to do the work in us. That's when he's able to come in and he will fill those places and he will fill those spaces. He will do, like I said, the work that needs to be done so that we can get what we want. We know what we want from him. We we know what we're seeking him for. Amen. We know what we want him to do. But first, we have to do something. This relationship is give and take. He's not our genie. We can't just come to him and say, you know, I'm broke, fix me. He says, no, first drink this. <laughs> first drink this and then I can fix you. He tells, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he tells her... Uh, I believe he tells her go and sin no more. Let me make sure I'm I'm correct. I I believe, and maybe so. If you if you know if you're familiar with the with the word, you're familiar with scripture. You know that in the gospels that some of the accounts are in more than one accounts. And I think in one of the in one of the accounts he tells her, like now that you've met your savior, now that I've given you salvation, now that I have um we've brought to the surface, we've brought to life what you to light excuse me, what you have going on that you shouldn't, go and sin no more. Not only do I want you to go and tell people, but go and sin no more. When I've touched you, go and don't do that no more. When I feel that void, don't do it again. When I heal you, don't do it again. When I give you what you want, don't turn back to that life. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Once I do it, stay in this path, stay in this track. Just like the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, the spirit of God comes to dwell in us, to empower us where we don't, once God starts healing, amen, once he starts moving, once he starts filling those empty places and spaces, there is no way that we should find ourselves entangled in situations that now you back at the throne like, Lord, I I need you to fix it. But guess what? His mercies are renewed day by day. Guess what? As a father, he will do it. But I'm encouraging us to try our best that when God starts to move in our life and he starts to um, fulfill his promises in scripture, let's walk in that. Let's rest in that. Let's live in that. And sometimes, unfortunately, um, 
as you grow in God and as you know, he takes you through trials and tribulations, sometimes you will go through some things that you might find yourself in a place you never thought you would be in again. And it's okay. It is okay. Grace and mercy abounds. Does it abound that we may sin? I Heaven forbid. That's in the scripture. So grace is not there as a, as a license to sin. Mercy is not available. Oh, I know God going to forgive me, so I'm going to go. No. Let's not, um, like in the Old Testament, he would tell the um, children of Israel, let's not be a harlot. Let's not be a, uh, like a harlot going out, and, and, and this is the language of the Bible. Let's not go out like a harlot doing our whoring, going out, doing what we want to do, knowing that we got a, a good man at home that's going to forgive us and take us back. We don't want to do that. Even though he's a good man, even though he has mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness. We have an advocate. We don't want to do that. We don't want to um, misuse God in that way. But if we fall, if we stumble, know that there is mercy. Know that there is grace. That there is grace. The scripture in Hebrews says that you can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Go boldly. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't. Ha- now, yes, there is a certain level of conviction and there is a certain level of, um, you know, Lord, I am so sorry. I cannot believe, but shame before man, they have no heaven or hell to put you in. You, you come and you come in your sackcloth and your ashes, which is a sign of mourning. You mourn whatever it is you've done that you shouldn't, which means you repent. And just like he told her, turn and sin no more, meaning turn away from what you were doing and don't do it anymore. So healing is available. Yes, he wants to fill our empty places and spaces. And yes, he wants to, he has come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Let us allow God to be God. Let us allow him to fulfill his promises. And just like the title of this podcast say says, let us be healed through the word of God, which means if we're going to be healed through the word of God, we have to do it God's way. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We lift you up and we magnify your name. We thank you for your word, oh God. We thank you for your truths. We thank you, Father God, that there is grace in our time of need, that there is mercy in our time of need. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. That you are filling our voids with life, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that you step into our broken places and our broken spaces to heal, to deliver, and to set us free, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That you step into these empty spaces and places, oh God, and that you fill our voids void you feel the emptiness oh god we thank you lord that if we wait on you hallelujah that you will renew our strength that if we wait on you we will mount up with wings as eagles that if we wait on you that we will run and not be weary and if we wait we will walk and not fail we thank you in the name of jesus hallelujah that you never leave us that you never forsake us that lo you are with us until the end we thank you, Father God, that even when everyone has turned our, their backs on us, oh God, we can look to the hills, hallelujah, from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from you. Father God, touch every woman that is listening in her broken place and in her broken space. Feel the void, God, hallelujah, as as they learn to submit to you, to surrender to you, to turn it over to you, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you begin to feel those empty places. Father God, I pray that the husbands will manifest according to your will that babies will manifest according to your will that ministries oh god will manifest according to your will and when it is all said and done hallelujah we will be careful to give you the glory the honor and the praise god that is due your holy and righteous name these things and all things we ask in the mighty name of jesus amen we thank you, oh God. I pray that this has blessed you. I pray that this has given you something to chew on. 
And until next week, be blessed.